Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Today's topic is Road to Relevant, Profitable, and Future-Ready Pharma. So the topic that we have picked up today regarding the pharma companies, we know that they were already juggling multiple priorities. R&D, trying to establish a presence in global markets, investing in various digital transformation initiatives to move beyond the pill, find new revenue streams and handle many changing expectations from the customers related to personalization. Some things changed because of pandemic. It further complicated the issues with delayed product launches, reduced in-person sales visits, and supply chain disruptions also happened. And the delays that got created in the drug commercialization as well. So all of this happening, and if pharma was already working pre-COVID and the COVID-related disruptions that happened, What are the pharma industry players doing now to deal with this so-called perfect storm? And then if the agenda was to become relevant and profitable and future ready, what are the leaders doing now in these respective pharma organizations? So to discuss this, I have Minori Hara, who is the chief information officer and head of digital and IT division at Centen Pharmaceutical. Hey, Minori, how are you? Hi, uh, Sanjog. This is Minori Hara. Uh, nice to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. So, Minori, let's dig in directly because I did, you know, set up the stage about what the pharmaceutical companies are trying to get to. So, anytime any organization tries to get to a certain, uh, you know, in, at a certain level in a given area, they have defined what that benchmark looks like. So let's start with you sharing, in your view, what is relevant and future fit pharma company to you? Well, um, I think we should look at the, um, the environment um, surrounding the ecosystem of healthcare uh, today uh, to answer that question. Um, pharma com- companies and their surrounding um, environment are experiencing a, a top, very uh, uh, difficult challenges, actually. And um, some changes um, includes, for example, uh, changing healthcare needs, um, medical expenditure costs um, continue to grow. And so um, there is an um, uh, pressure to reduce the, the cost and also um, tightening of regulation uh, that I, I see and um, we also received some expectation uh, from the, um, uh, the people that uh, we should accelerate the care delivery in healthcare. And to do that, um, uh, there, are, uh, there are a number of changes in, in our um, ecosystem, um, advancement in uh, digitalization, um, not only uh, further efficiencies that, that, that we need to achieve, but also um, Healthcare uh, and pharmaceuticals uh, uh, try to uh, go beyond the pill, beyond the traditional uh, pharma, 
And then uh, in this ecosystem, I see there are um, a number of new players um, from different industries. So to be a relevant and future uh, fit pharma company, we have to define our company um, mid to long-term um, strategy that are well capturing those environment changes that I just mentioned and uh, having uh, business models that are not only responding to those changes, but also taking advantage of them. So in my company, for example, in Santen, we recently uh, announced a long-term vision called Santen 2030, aiming at um, changing the company's focus, uh, more people-centric and uh, looking at the uh, more relevance to, to those, those changing world. So um, that, that's uh, how I, I see um, how uh, the, the farmer uh, should be defining if they are fit, fit for future. So one question I have based on the response you gave is to start thinking mid to long-term. You know, that idea about thinking mid to long-term did resonate if I were to look at five to 10 years ago, but the way people are thinking about business, the way things change, the marketplace changes, it's changing way too fast for you to stay relevant if you were to just think mid to long-term. So I'm in a way challenging what you just said, but what, are, what, are, what do you have to say to that? If you're going to think mid to long term, I'm not saying don't do it, but would you not consider short term as well? Or at least put that as a priority because you do not know what's going to happen next? Uh, the current activities or short-term activities definitely should be in line with the, the company's uh, new mid to long-term uh, strategy. So if you are already delivering today is not in line with those uh, long-term uh, directions, then a uh, company might be invest, investing their efforts to um, something which will be um, not relevant to the future shape. So I would say that uh, it's very important that uh, some of the uh, short-term um, uh, deliverables are uh, sort of a quick wins in line with the long-term um, uh, directions and who should be relevant to the um, environmental changes um, that I just uh, mentioned earlier. Now, what you mentioned is a benchmark. There is another thing called reality check. So if you were to become say an industry analyst and watching this industry and compared to where the world wants to go or all the people or all, all companies in the pharma industry want to go and where they truly are going, what is the current scenario? What's the current state compared to the ideal state? Well, um, let's see how far most of uh, the pharma companies um, are from such an ideal state. Um, probably some of the newly established biotech companies, et cetera, are quite future fit in its narrow domain. However, we need to look at the, the large to mid-sized uh, uh, full-fledged pharma company. They are very different because um, um, they are at different stages. So some of them are just in, at the initiation stage while the others are halfway through, they are always all making an effort to renovate their, their business models. But actually, um, everybody's looking at uh, currently the, the changing environment and what, what, what are the gaps and the, um, what are the short-term and the long-term um, actions um, to renovate their business models. So more or less, everybody's doing that. Now, with that said, when you are looking at the different ways 
a company like pharma can improve profitability. I'm not saying that your product is commoditized, but there is only so much you can get from innovation because your innovation is a long-term investment, right? A new drug identified, et cetera. So if you were to strictly look at, you know, profitability increase effort, what kind of a cost efficiency play or cost efficiency related tactics that you feel is most effective for pharma companies? Um, by leveraging digital technologies, I believe a pharma company can improve profitability. There are many cost efficiency initiative domains uh, that I can, we can think of. For example, a commercial domain um, could be innovated by data-driven channel optimization. Um, healthcare professionals and patient engagement uh, could be enhanced through um, new digital services and advanced relationship management. And the other area is drug development process um, should be improved through more um, tech-supported or even a virtual um, clinical practices. Um, and pharma, pharma companies are essentially a manufacturing company um, in, in its uh, uh, business model. Uh, manufacturing and supply chain should, should be not only digitally optimized, but also becoming resilient to environment changes uh, in the future, like, like I just mentioned be before. And uh, we often refer to um, smart factory or supply chain transformation um, in this domain. And of course, uh, pharma companies' internal processes and their supporting IT systems should be transformed, leveraging power of um, cloud technologies or digital. So um, changes are, um, so actually the challenges are that um, many initiatives require initial investments and the efficiency gain might come at a different speed. In order to achieve significant contribution to company uh, profit, uh, we require a well-defined digital transformation strategy. Let's take a quick break. Listeners will be right back. And Minori, what you've shared right now regarding the cost efficiency initiative, that's quite a good list that someone can follow. But then when we come back, let's talk about when these initiatives were kicked off or you went a little farther ahead working on these initiatives. What was the outcome? Did they actually help you cut costs the way you expected? Did these initiatives deliver as you thought they will. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoke All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. So, Minori, you spoke about cost efficiency initiatives, a big, big and, a, and an impressive list of things that, a creative list that people can use. But then when you started working on them, how were they working out for you? Were they delivering results? Were there challenges? What is the learning along the way? So, um, as I told you, um, um, all these initiatives have a different speed in terms of um, reaching to the, uh, to the results and contribution to the profits, actually. And, um, but some of the initiatives, like uh, um, internal business renovations and um, uh, process efficiency gain, that could happen in a short term. And then in my company, for example, um, some of the business systems are renovated um, to a modern technology and processes uh, that uh, I can see um, some um, uh, results, the efficiency gain. However, uh, some of the long-term um, initiatives, for example, uh, manufacturing renovation using a, a, a smart factory concept or um, new uh, digital uh, business offering models for um, uh, you know, our external customers, that takes some time. But for us to be able to invest in those uh, mid to long-term um, innovations, we definitely need to have some short-term uh, quick results. So uh, we of often define a quick wins in both externally offering uh, services, but also uh, internal uh, process innovation. So some of the uh, good example is that um, 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 ERP project, for example. You know, ERP uh, system is a very core for many of the uh, uh, mid to large companies. Um, um, but uh, we can actually uh, define very clearly what would be the uh, the gain, return on the investment in in a relatively uh, short short time frame, several years from from now. Okay, so when you're talking about companies investing uh, in the pharma industry, right, the ones which exist in the pharma in, in, uh, industry, they're investing in the various areas. You talk about process improvements. You talk about digital initiatives, supply chain, people, partnerships, you name it, right? There are quite a few areas. What was the true impact? Yes, there must be some impact because of pandemic. The whole world was shaken. Tell us what exactly in detail as much as possible, maybe with examples on where all the disruptions happened and what were their direct and indirect impacts? Yes, uh, um, impact of pandemic was huge. Um, of course, compared to some some companies in different industries who experienced experienced a devastating impact that threatened even their existence, um, compared to that, farmers' market demand remained high. However, the impact was we consider still um, disruptive. Um, for example, patient engagement changed. The pandemic has uh, disrupted, disrupted many non-COVID-related uh, clinical trials, making it difficult for many patients to access care. And engagement with the healthcare professionals has also been disrupted as the sales force cannot visit providers and must find new ways to build and maintain engagement. Um, supply chain was also disrupted. And as you know, the pandemic has um, fundamentally changed uh, way of working as well. 
not only for office workers, but also Salesforce in the field, factory workers and laboratory workers. So this situation has um, driven, driven us toward new and innovative models of collaboration and requiring um, flexibility and adaptability to ever-changing circumstances. So the current um, pandemic actually created an opportunity and even imperative to adapt to the new farmer operating models. So when you had that impact, what do you think the rest of the, you know, like you are in technology, but then you had your business people, the business has to go on. What was your first reaction to it? That we have to fight against it or you came up with some creative ways to keep the business going and minimize the impact? What did you do? So when the pandemic um, started, you know, I'm, I'm also a part of the um, um, senior management of, of the company. And then our focus was to initially maintain the business continuity. And also uh, we treat it as an um, uh, company's um, emergency response. So um, instead of um, going into individual function to, to see what the action items actually, uh, uh, this had to be treated as a, a company level event. And for the business continuity, um, we reacted relatively, relatively quickly to introduce a company-wide digital workplace concept to respond to the pandemic by accelerating infrastructure upgrade and the digital tools deployments. So um, more digitally supported healthcare professional engagements were also uh, necessary, but it was implemented. And um, we actually do not consider it as a temporary remote work arrangement, but we intend to broaden the digital workplace model to a way to improve employee engagement, new way of working, and uh, more digitally fit uh, business processes. So which we probably could not do um, so much prior to the pandemic. So in a way, are you saying pandemic turned out to be a boon in disguise? <laughs> yes, we took the advantage of it and then we, we moved ahead actually quickly. So let's talk about the type of profitability. And of course, you don't need to go into the numbers. But if you were to think about profitability of a pharma company and whether pre-COVID, during COVID or now as you're trying to come back, what are the factors that could erode profits for a company like yours? So um, first of all, of course, the pandemic situation is just one element that we had to consider. Of course, it was right in front of us. So it was obviously uh, 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 the top priority for, the, for, the, uh, for last year and this year. But um, like I mentioned at the, the beginning of our conversation, um, environment change surrounding healthcare and pharma are enormous. Um, we, we need to cons consider uh, different spectrums of uh, the environment changes. So, um, if we keep defining ourselves as pharma products manufacturers, 
like uh, the model and traditional model, we might become less and less relevant, mm -hmm. which could gradually uh, erode profits. So I'm saying this because um, people's expectation on healthcare is dramatically changing, which is um, greatly influenced by people's behaviors. You can observe in other consumer goods or service uh, industries. So people expect to um, have greater level of personalization and the healthcare industry is not an exception. Um, so um, we see many new players are entering into the traditionally sort of protected farmer ecosystem. And they are bringing many different elements of uh, service models and technologies that are derived from different sectors. So the um, existing farmer companies often try to incorporate such new features within the company boundaries or create a um, new partnership to, to quickly adapt to new business models. So in order to adapt to new business models, I believe that uh, companies should not be afraid of an organization reform where I believe digital and IT departments have some leading roles to drive a business transformation. And so whatever you try to do, like some are the innovations, others are you can kind of dodge the erosion, but are you trying to look at the things as they come and trying to fix those or you are becoming, or trying to what I call is the word proactive and resilient, that these things really don't hurt you every time something like this happens, like a disruption or things of that nature. So let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, you gave a great uh, input on how organizations in pharma industry are looking for ways to prevent profit erosion. But then let's dig a little deeper and say that are we supposed to be reactive that when a disruption happens, then you figure out a way to crack that problem and then prevent that erosion? Or is there a fundamental resilience and or... Uh, a shield, if you will, that you create so that erosion doesn't happen because of an instance. Yes, there is a systemic change in the environment, the marketplace. That's what could be causing erosion. But any disruption-centric erosion, can we safeguard against? That's the question I'd like to ask. But please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and let Minori respond. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Minori, you gave a good set of uh, ways by which, you know, things companies are trying to do in the pharma industry to prevent or rather not prevent, but to figure out how to undo and or to fix any erosion. 
But my question is, can we be proactive? Can we create a profit erosion shield, if you will, so it, it becomes a prevention versus a cure or a response? So I think the, the pharma companies actually um, need to move ahead to uh, a different stage, not just defending um, the current um, status quo from uh, whatever disruptions coming, coming, coming in. So I think the pharma companies have a greater innovation potential if they can define their future business models beyond the traditional boundaries. And um, yeah, if, we, if we could think uh, about our business model around uh, people centricity. So as I mentioned earlier, um, general expectations on healthcare are more on personalization, which means uh, needs of differentiated services. Um, traditional pharma products were primarily used for treatment of diagnosed diseases, but more differentiated and personalized services could be provided at much earlier stages of patient journey. So digital services around um, patient awareness and engagement, um, improved diagnosis or disease prevention could become more business uh, streams, uh, core business streams for even uh, large pharma companies, I believe. So um, while many companies are rushing to adapt um, AI, machine learning, robotics, IoT, Internet of Things, and other digital technologies, both for their external digital services and internal process transformation, it is important that um, the new business models and organizational capabilities are transformed to be able to truly leverage the power of such technologies they should not be um, disconnected from the, the benefit of our customers. So um, by doing this kind of transformation, I think a company will be more resilient uh, uh, to, the, to the new environment, but also uh, I believe the companies can find themselves in a different state and a, a different positioning in the market and uh, uh, they become more relevant. So, when you're looking at the overall innovation potential, right? Sky's the limit, if you think about it. And people may have tried different things. How far is your imagination going? How fundamentally disruptive is the tone or the propensity of players in this industry when it comes to innovation? How crazy are we getting with our ideas? Actually, the innovation uh, should not be limited to uh, limited within the boundary of one company, um, because we are talking about in in our case it's a healthcare ecosystem, right? And then uh, players within the healthcare uh, ecosystems are not limited to pharma companies. Actually, there are many uh, players like uh, okay, healthcare professionals, the hospitals, and um, pharmacies. And of course, uh, the, the patients and uh, the general people who are uh, conscious uh, about uh, their health conditions, they are also an important players and insurance companies. And these days, uh, more and more tech companies and digital service companies are kicking in who are traditionally not part of the healthcare uh, ecosystem, but they are now important um, uh, players. So when we talk about innovations, uh, I think um, uh, innovation definitely need to happen uh, within 
the company so that that company will become relevant, but also we need to capture um, ecosystem um, uh, level change innovations so that um, uh, complete uh, healthcare um, 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 environment around people are different. And then in many parts of those ecosystem innovations should be happening so that um, uh, the scale of innovation could be more scalable. And um, coming back to the relevance of um, a pharma company, um, if a com pharma company itself uh, innovated itself, then it can become an important element of an even farther innovated, the bigger, bigger ecosystem, I think. And if you were to think about the different experiments that different companies did, and I'm just trying to have you wear the hat of an analyst, right? Someone who's watching trends and saying, okay, this is how the different companies innovated, what worked, what did not work, what smaller things made a big impact or when or other larger initiatives did not do as well. What do you see as the pattern? What truly is a way forward if you had to advise anyone else trying to get into this whole innovation bandwagon, where should they focus their energies? Uh, definitely the um, existing players like uh, um, um, a farmer, full-fledged pharma companies, they definitely um, should leverage the existing strengths. That strengths will be the core and then uh, see uh, what's missing um, when, when they look at the, the ecosystem. And then um, to fill the gap, whether we um, develop that capabilities within the company as by innovating the company itself or um, um, don't afraid to uh, obtain it from outside, you know, through um, strategic partnership with the new players. I think um, combination of um, strategic partnership and uh, internal innovation, and that could accelerate uh, the, uh, the, the innovation of their own services relevant to the, the patients and the, the general public. And I think that that's a, that's a way to go. And so the leadership of uh, any companies, uh, I believe uh, should um, consider uh, those, those paths to follow. So your, your, your answer is well taken. And to some extent, you gave me the how of how they should innovate, right? Or how they should partner with other companies to bring the value. Let's talk about what a little bit. So if I were to say, if pharma were to reinvent itself or had to significantly innovate as an, as an industry, which all are the top candidate areas where innovation must happen? Definitely um, the, the fundamental part of the value that pharma company is uh, providing to, to the society is definitely the, uh, the treatment, the drug development. Uh, that part definitely need to be innovated so that um, the pharma industry can um, deliver uh, solutions to the disease which may not have um, uh, a treatment at the moment. So um, unmet needs could be resolved by new solutions and innovations and new development definitely need to be accelerated in this domain. However, um, to um, improve the ecosystem, um, not only focusing on the uh, research and development is not enough. So that's why I, I as I mentioned earlier, uh, the 
manufacturing innovation and the supply chain and also um, the company structure, uh, internal process innovation and the ecosystem, you know, look, looking at the, the people um, uh, who are in the society and how they are in, in interacting with the, the medical services, that part definitely need to be innovated. So uh, we, I think we need to have a system thinking. So, so you, you, what you just suggested is, uh, you know, a great way forward. So which of these approaches did you try in your organization and what happened? At Santen, um, we considered uh, the innovations reside in uh, mainly in two domains. One is uh, e externally um, uh, facing uh, new digital offerings, which is essentially uh, going beyond the boundary of the traditional farmer. So um, potentially uh, uh, new digital offering digital services uh, to support uh, people's uh, life and happiness. But the second component is the um, transformation of the existing farmer value chain, starting from R&D through uh, manufacturing and quality assurance and supply chain to uh, marketing and uh, commercialization. Uh, those uh, value chain elements are also uh, need to be um, uh, transformed leveraging the, the power of digital. And that's what we, are, we have been already working on and the number of um, small projects and the large projects are, are kicked in. And uh, uh, we have been uh, de uh, delivering um, uh, small and large uh, outcomes out of them. So I heard you say digital quite a few times. So how about we take a break now? And when we come back, so Minori, how about you dig in a little bit of this quote-unquote digital that you mentioned that you used in terms of whether, I don't know, IoT, AI, and machine learning, you name it, right? You, you, you deconstruct digital, which in your view is a, a digital tool set or technology set or a mindset, a combination of these which you utilize actually already or you're thinking of utilizing to bring innovation and to move pharma from a traditional pharma to a future ready pharma to a relevant and a profitable pharma. So since we are CIO Talk Network, cannot go without talking technology, cannot go without talking digital. So please stay tuned listeners, we'll be right back and let Minori share what he means by digital, what he did with digital and his team worked with digital to create value. Please stay tuned, we'll be right back. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN, CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjoke All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoke All at CIOTalkNetwork.com. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Minori, the keyword here is digital. Let's deconstruct it. Tell us. 
people, process, technology, culture, leadership, politics, not sure what all flavors of digital that you can share, which you applied, leveraged, exploited to make pharma what it can be, which is relevant, profitable, and future ready. Yes. So um, when we talk about digital, um, especially around the pharma, people might just think about um, new drug discovery process using um, uh, data science and artificial intelligence and so on. And also probably another area that, you know, easily coming to people's mind could be uh, a new device that could be utilized by a patient either at home or at the clinic so that that could um, um, produce a better result for treatment. Definitely those are important um, areas, but for pharma to be fully digitally fit company, there are many different areas that we should actually leverage digital technologies. For example, um, during the development of um, um, uh, products, medical products, other drugs, um, clinical trial process, process itself um, could be more digitalized, you know, the virtual, virtual clinical trials on uh, processes. And also uh, pharma industries are strictly regulated um, by um, and, uh, standards and then um, safety information uh, need to be also uh, recorded and then reported. And those processes um, traditionally could could have been uh, quite manual, but that there, there's a room for um, um, innovation in that process. And um, supply chain and production and also uh, logistics, uh, this area uh, definitely um, has many, many rooms for um, uh, digitalization. For example, uh, we could use um, uh, cloud-based network optimization to connect uh, smart factories and um, automate the optimization of the, uh, the anal- analytics and uh, digitalized operations. Um, finishing and packaging um, uh, processes and uh, visualization of the, uh, the logistics uh, processes. Uh, there are many, many rooms uh, for um, improvement by digital and data utilization. And in the area of supply chain, um, data-driven uh, decision and um, um, d- d- data-driven decision-making uh, definitely should, should kick in. In the serious areas, uh, data-based uh, field force planning and deployment, and um, the um, we could actually uh, digitally uh, assist the sales representatives' um, uh, activities in the field. And uh, for the marketing, the campaign activation, um, planning, and also content creations, and also consumer insights, patients' um, uh, experience, um, and healthcare professional uh, consultation processes are all uh, could be digitalized. So we could actually um, em- um, embed many uh, digital uh, services, not only the tools, but digital services to um, renovate many of those um, pharma uh, companies' value chain processes. And then to support any of those uh, processes, um, to be digitalized, 
the company's basic ability to operate also need to be uh, renovated. So um, companies' admit administrative functions, like corporate functions, like HR, finance, legal, or procurement, and IT itself, um, um, there are many uh, room for improvement uh, leveraging the digital technologies. So um, data-driven um, talent management, talent skill map, or um, improved uh, fin financial forecasting, or um, comp compliance risk management, um, uh, leveraging the, the data management, et cetera, et cetera. So by doing this, a company will be um, fundamentally uh, becoming digitally fit, which will allow the company actually to modernize any of the value chain processes, as I mentioned, from R&D to uh, commercial. And then um, that will also support uh, externally facing uh, new digital offerings, uh, new services, uh, new business models. Well, that's a pretty rich list. Thank you so much, Minori. So talking about digital, that's great. You've done innovation, build business cases, change the processes, fundamentally relooked at how the business works. But all of that cannot happen if you do not have people supporting it and a culture as the foundation. So did you in the in this whole process of fundamentally shifting and or moving to a more progressive approach on how you will make pharma future ready and profitable and relevant, what changes did you have to make? And before that, what fundamental objections and or pushbacks you had and the challenges you had on the people and culture front? which you had to overcome? Uh, right, that's a very uh, good question. And uh, the cultural aspect uh, is very important, actually, when we talk about digital or on uh, future fit companies, you know, we might just uh, think about um, something new, uh, which could become uh, coming from a small number of people within the company, but actually this whole strategy development uh, requires a lot of internal um, engagement of the people, um, not only uh, at the company's uh, top management level. So strategy development process, I think should um, um, already involve um, different part of the company. And um, by doing this, uh, company employees also feel the ownership of the future strategy. To do that, while discussing about the environment change of the company and the potential innovation opportunities and the priorities. All these uh, development the discussion process, if the uh, company employees can participate and um, have an opportunity to contribute to that outcome, at the end, the uh, published official company strategy will be jointly owned by, not only by the company president, CEO, but also the employees. That kind of joint ownership by the entire company is very important. And another aspect, uh, another cultural aspect uh, is that any drastic changes of the company's um, future direction will also face some resistance. People don't feel comfortable when they have to do things differently from what 
they have been doing because uh, doing in the same way might be more comfortable for, for, for many people. Uh, so any drastic change for the company's direction, if it's not really understood why it's needed, then it's just a burden. So naturally, this burden will create a lot of resistance. So for that, again, the first, first item I just uh, mentioned, involvement of the employees in the strategy development is one way of um, alleviating those uh, uh, burden and uh, resistance, but also um, very patient uh, explanation, communication about the company's direction and strategy to uh, employees is very um, important so that they actually understand why this strategy is necessary and what's the purpose of it. And lastly, um, in order to um, cultivate a culture uh, that's required for a company's uh, innovation is uh, talent management. We actually uh, often see some gaps between the skill set, the mindsets of the existing um, um, employees and the future uh, uh, skill sets that the company needs. Those gaps could be filled either by um, reskilling of the existing people, but also uh, bringing in new talents from outside. So, um, I don't think that the company should just focus on um, hiring a new talents from outside only. That will not actually uh, work well for internal people. So I think a uh, um, combination of reskilling of the internal people and bringing in uh, new talents is important. And then um, new talents coming from outside would actually stimulate the mindsets of the internal people, which will definitely uh, contribute to the cultural uh, change that uh, the company need to, uh, to go through. So in a nutshell, I, I think it introduced three important points. So strategy development and ownership and uh, managing a re uh, resistance of the change and um, strategic talent management. Those three points are the key uh, to tackle the cultural uh, challenges. All right, we just have a minute. What about leadership? What kind of shifts in leadership approaches and mindsets that you suggest people take? Okay, um, I think the leaders uh, of a company who wants to innovate the co uh, company's uh, business model should not just um, implement uh, incremental improvement or patchworking um, uh, for the um, strategy development. I think um, we should all think about outside in kind of mentality. We should learn from the external um, uh, environment changes and the opportunities that the potential new business model could uh, fit in and then um, uh, internal company strategies should be built based on those um, external elements outside in. And then um, this whole process and concept, uh, the leaders should definitely convey true meaning of those company strategy to the employees so that all people involved would understand the, the real purpose easily 
and that will become the strengths of the company. Once again, thank you so much, Minori, for sharing your thoughts and insights about how organizations in pharma industry can really work looking inside, looking within, and also working with their partners and customers become an inclusive organization and let that become the road and the plan to become relevant, profitable, and future-ready pharma. Thank you so much again, Minori. Thank you, Sanjong. Um, it was a great to, to talk with you today. Thanks again. And listeners, please join us on various social media platforms we are on and also subscribe to our podcast on multiple platforms around the world. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is Sanjog All, your host, signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.